Welcome to Advocation Change It Up, a new podcast series hosted by Dr. Karen Liller, a professor at the USF College of Public Health and director of the Activist Lab. Hello and welcome to Advocation Change It Up, the podcast series of the University of South Florida College of Public Health Activist Lab. I'm Dr. Karen Liller, a distinguished USF health professor and director of the Activist Lab, and I'm joined by one of our student advisory board members, Erin Millsaps. How are you, Erin? I'm good today, Dr. Liller. How are you? I'm fine, thank <laughs> you. The Activist Lab at the college prepares our students to be exemplary advocates and leaders in public health. Just Google us at our website and you'll see all the educational programs we do. We have boot camps, seminars, we do research on a variety of public health topics and advocacy and work to assure students have practice experiences in the community at the state and national levels. This podcast involves talking with public health leaders and advocates whose work has led to great improvements in public health. We'll be talking in each podcast with a guest on a particular public health issue, and we'll end each podcast by asking how we as the community can advocate for change. Before we begin, I must add the views expressed reflect those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the University of South Florida. Today, we'll be talking with our guests, Drs. Brianna Fox and Edelyn Verona. And here's some info from their bios. Dr. Verona is co-director of the Center for Justice Research and Policy and is professor of clinical psychology at the University of South Florida. She received both her master's and PhD from Florida State University. She also is courtesy professor in the Department of Criminology at the University of South Florida. She is a prolific author and has received numerous awards. She's a member of the Phi Beta Kappa and Phi Kappa Phi Honor Societies. Her laboratory covers a lot of ground in the areas of criminal behavior, psychopathy, substance use, and violence, and some of the work considers biological and psychosocial factors involved in the development and maintenance of such problems, including laboratory experimentation with a focus on emotion and cognition. At another level, her lab has begun to address intervention, prevention, and structural factors in regards to incarceration and recidivism, as well as intersections between mental health and the criminal justice system involvement. I met Dr. Verona in her role with Moms Demand Action Coalition to Reduce Gun Violence. Dr. Brianna Fox is our other guest. She's co-director of the Center for Justice Research and Policy also, and she's an associate professor in the Department of Criminology and a faculty affiliate of the Florida Mental Health Institute at the University of South Florida. She earned her PhD from the University of Cambridge and is a former FBI special agent. Her research focuses on the identification of psychological and developmental risk factors for criminal behavior and prolific offending, experimental field research, and evidence-based policing and crime prevention strategies. She has published numerous books and studies in great journals. She also has received many awards in her field. So those are fantastic bios. Welcome, and may I call you Edelyn and Brianna? Uh, we're good friends, of course. You can call <laughs> yes, of course. Very good. Thank you so much. Well, first, let me say it's an honor to work with both of you as a member of the leadership team of the Center for Justice Research and Policy. I was also very excited to work on the evaluation of the call program we'll be talking about a little later. But let's orient the listeners now about the center and the project. On the website, it states that the Center for Justice Research and Policy at USF hosts an interdisciplinary team of scholars and practitioners 
focused on the study of crime, violence, and criminal and social justice policy. It is the first of its kind in Florida, recently approved by the Board of Governors as a state-level center. The center's goal is to apply rigorous research and evaluations to enhance the evidence base of policing, corrections, and court practices. So, Brianna and Edlin, can you tell us a little bit more about the start of the center, why it exists, and where you hope it'll go? Um, absolutely. And uh, I should say, you know, it's been just such a pleasure to be able to work on the center, to be able to work with you, Karen, and Thank so many me other members of our leadership team, our affiliates, members of the community, and even across the university, from the undergraduate students all the way up to our um, PhD students on mm -hmm. different projects. So we've been very grateful. Um, the center is essentially the byproduct of this you know, goal that Edelyn and I had, that we wanted to just take our research and apply it. We wanted to make change. Mm -hmm. right. uh, we spent so much time uh, just doing research, on maybe for research's sake, right. and we realized that um, while it's great to publish and mm -hmm. to have science and journals or books, uh, classrooms, that's not enough to really make an impact. Sure. And teaching about gun violence and the impact is a lot different than coming up with a way to prevent it. Exactly. To save a life. Very true. To be able to stop gun violence from happening. And when you realize that the way that people are doing, you know, these different prevention or policy techniques has largely been informed by tradition mm -hmm. and the way it's always been done mm -hmm. and this is how we do it. And you realize that's not evidence-based. Right. Right. And whether or not it works or not is irrelevant. They mm -hmm. are doing it because that's the way it's always been done. And so, first of all, we are trying to do evaluations of what's out mm -hmm. there exactly, to see, is this working? How well is it working? And then the second thing we're trying to do is understand why are things happening? Mm -hmm. What can we do to mm -hmm. develop interventions that you know prevent things from happening, such mm -hmm. as gun violence, opioid overdoses, um, health-related outcomes of justice involvements that are negative? Um, we're trying to do things that's combat those to make society and the criminal justice system better and right. safer for all. Sure, and prevention is so important. It's what we do in public health, mm -hmm. so there's such a natural mm -hmm. relationship, right, and a collaboration between what we do. Um, Edelyn, anything you want to add about the center? We're going to talk about the call program in a minute, but Yeah, like I that? think that one of the strengths of our center is how we were able, through various connections and conversations with others on campus and in uh, the community, we were able to gather a group of scholars, practitioners who spanned different areas of research mm -hmm. and across different fields. So anthropology, as you right, know, right. we have medical doctors, we have mm -hmm, attorneys, sure. um, we have people in criminology, psychology, Mm -hmm. Can't remember all the fields right, right now. We, we have, have judges, people <laughs> yes, on, yeah. in business, uh -huh. and what? But we all share kind of this interest in improving the functioning of of the criminal justice system and mm -hmm. the outcomes of people who are touched by the system, whether as uh, survivors or as um, persons who have been incarcerated. Right. So. It's 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 kind of the strength of bringing in that interdisciplinary perspective. 
perspective. And we met yesterday, as you know, right, and, and the did. conversations we had were so amazing. enriched yeah. by um, bringing these perspectives together because the system is multidimensional. Right. It, it's uh, got impacts from the individual to the system to society um, that it requires that kind of yeah. uh, brain power, right, yeah. and that diverse brain power. Yeah. Yeah. Another way to put it is, there's so many different causes of crime and impacts right. of crime, and if we think just you know one field is going to solve it, criminology, no. psychology, sociology, then you're neglecting all the other right. ways that crime impacts society mm-hmm. or that causes a sure. crime, maybe. So we're trying to cover all of our bases, and we've just been so happy. I mean, having that group together, you already see the overlaps and how much better we are together. The group is amazing. Um, I wish the listeners could talk to each and every person on the group because it's it's so great. So many different fields and so many different projects and so many different ideas. I mean, I think we all walked away saying, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. But, you know, but you're right. It is a holistic approach and something we obviously, you know, advocate for uh, in public health. Um, In terms of the call program, which is Community Assistance and Life Liaison Program, This initiative of the center involved a partnership between the St. Petersburg Police Department and the Gulf Coast Jewish Family Community Services. The purpose was to divert non-crime emergency calls that come in, and these could be calls surrounding mental health issues, substance abuse, panhandling. Um, These were received by the St. Petersburg Emergency Communication Center to, to send the calls to community navigators of Gulf Coast. Now these navigators, rather than law enforcement, then respond to the calls with a social service and mental wellness lens by evaluating needs and providing assistance and then recommending further services and resources if needed. Gulf Coast also provides a 24-7 call line number to those service to use in lieu of calling 911 or police. Now, the program was initiated in February of 2021 and went through many different changes. It was fully implemented, though, in May of 2021. And Edeline, can you tell us a little bit more about the project? Because I had the pleasure of working with you on some of the evaluation Mm -hmm. steps, the early evaluation steps, and, and what we learned. Yes, it's. Uh, we were really impressed with the project just from hearing about it before we even started the evaluation. But um, I should note that the Foundation for Healthy St. Petersburg is uh, was our sponsor That's right. in, yes. in uh, sponsoring this evaluation, which actually had an equity lens um, mm-hmm. component mm-hmm. to it, which means we were looking at how the program was working in uh, providing service in an equitable fashion and to those who were most at need Mm -hmm. and looking at some gaps there. Right. And we were impressed because it's a unique program when it comes to this uh, mental health or uh, casework response to problems that often are relegated to law enforcement who often feel like they're not prepared for that type of work, that's sure. not that's right. not, not their, their training. That's not mm-hmm. their training exactly, mm-hmm. and so we were impressed because these uh, caseworkers or navigators were going out on their own. So mm-hmm. there was no law enforcement involvement as long it was as it was a non-crime call. Right, and um, what we found is that it worked really well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they were able to take on. A large percentage of those calls. So, right. it, so that means that there were um, thousands of citizens who were now being 
reached mm-hmm. by this this service uh, component that before would have only been reached by law enforcement right. and, and with the complications that mm-hmm. occur there when mm-hmm. there's sort of citizens who may have mental health issues and encounter law enforcement that sometimes does not work out very well right. and may exacerbate problems that the citizen has. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not only that, we were able to show through the evaluation that the law enforcement actually relied on them beyond um, beyond those calls that mm-hmm. the navigators mm-hmm. were going to. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if law enforcement uh, came to a crime call and that was handled, you know, the law right. enforcement part right. was handled, yeah. then they knew to then call if they saw a need in right. those citizens. a resource need or a service need. Then right. they called yeah. call. So often mm-hmm. there was like a piggybacking of social mm-hmm. services on top of that. And to me, that was one of the most impressive, that, mm-hmm. that synergistic um, kind of work between the two, uh, the two agencies. Um, right. It really worked. It, it really did. And it's always good to see that, mm-hmm. right? And we, and we hope that it continues. Erin, do you have some questions? Yeah, I was just wondering, um, you mentioned the navigators, Um, if you could tell me just like a little bit more of like what their background is. Very good question. That's an excellent question. And that's another thing that we evaluated, by the Mm -hmm. way. We looked at all of the... Um, the job descriptions and, you know, qualifications that they were asking for. And we also looked at who they hired. So a lot of information there. So one of the things that was clear is that they were looking for uh, one of two things amongst navigators and their supervisors was one kind of having a background in uh, casework, social work, psychology, mental health. And uh, experience working with people who have kind of these um, these needs, like multi-systemic needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was clearly uh, a, a you know kind of a desire to bring people in who had experience and knew how to work with people who who were involved across multiple systems, including criminal justice, mental health, um, social service systems. Um, so that was that was really important, and they had to have a couple of years' experience at least. The other thing mm-hmm. we compared, Karen, remember, is right. we we looked at the representation. So we looked at the the ethnic uh, representation mm-hmm. in the city of St. Petersburg and looked at those who hired. And it really matched that representation. Actually, there was over-representation yeah. of mm-hmm. certain groups, too. So mm-hmm. we were also impressed in, in that they wanted to make sure that the people they reached, um, you know, felt some identification yeah. with the yeah. with the navigator. A question I always get when I, I talk about the program to people, they say, well, what if there was danger in the call for mm-hmm. weapon and that police were there then? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that we, people went out and they were in any kind of danger uh, in these But it was a, it was a great, great program. Brianna, do you uh, want to have some questions I know about the call program? And then please talk about other programs of the center. Well, piggybacking on what you just said, one of the questions that I frequently get asked by law enforcement or people that are maybe less familiar with this different type of, you know, it's not a co-response model, it's literally a response in lieu of law enforcement model. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they often ask is, 
isn't that dangerous? Um, right. People right. that are in law enforcement are often taught, you know, it takes a half of a second to go from a mental health distress call to a, mm-hmm. a use of force call. Sure. And so what you just mentioned, uh, Karen, about um, law enforcement being available, um, can did you do any evaluation of how mm-hmm. the navigators felt? Were they comfortable being out there? Did they ever feel in danger? And mm-hmm. were there ever circumstances where they felt like they they had to use force and right. they weren't able to? Right. That's a really good question. Uh, I should note that one of the things we also looked at, because of the concern for the safety of the navigators, there were certain calls that were screened out Mm -hmm. and only law enforcement reached out to them. So, for example, if there were notes in the the residence, for example, had a history of violence calls, the law enforcement was called first. And so that was one way. And we actually looked at those calls who, that didn't, didn't get referred. Like, how do they differ? And there wasn't actually a lot of differences between those who, that were referred and those who weren't in terms of mm-hmm. demographics and that kind of thing. Um, there was, a, you know, there is some concern that maybe those folks um, aren't getting the services they need because of the potential violence there. Um, but like I, like we mm-hmm, mentioned, mm-hmm. law enforcement had that in mind. And if there was a call like that and then they saw that that a need was there, a social service need was there, they mm-hmm. called out the navigators. So that was one way that they tried to make sure that the navigators were safe and we want to actually, you know, to follow up on your question about how the navigators, right. that's, a, that's a part where we want to follow up mm-hmm. on more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to really talk with people involved with the program. We sort of looked at the data, said, you know, who's being responded to, what are the numbers, and how, and, and that's great, and it shows to be really effective. But we would love to get deeper into this, you know, to talk to the navigators, right? Talk to the police. Talk to law enforcement, yeah. Right, talk to everyone involved. Say, what was this like? Where do you see the advantages? You know, more of a qualitative Mm -hmm. study, if we can. And to that point... I have talked, you know, extensively with law enforcement who say, you know, there's the frequent flyers, you know, yeah. as they call them, the people yes. that yes. consistently call and they're not for, you know, crime-related needs, mm-hmm. they're for these social service-related right. needs. Right. And they actually have said, you know, if you can, like any other type of prolific mm-hmm. offender, I mean, there's violent offenders, but there's also people that just have prolific, you know, they show up at the ER multiple mm-hmm. times, they mm-hmm. use a lot of, you know, services for government needs, and it's like, those are the ones where if we intervene Right. And can help, you know, get them off this track. Mm-hmm. They'll save the most amount of, you know, time, resources, it's money. Absolutely. Um, and then also their lives are going to be the most substantially improved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you guys do any type of cost-benefit analysis in this case to see, you know, how much money was saved for law enforcement, for the taxpayer, um, by being able to intervene Mm -hmm. and actually treat these underlying causes Mm -hmm. rather than just having law enforcement consistently in a responsive, reactionary nature? Right. Yeah, no, we didn't look Mm -hmm. at that uh, Mm -hmm. personally, and it's a really great point. Um, One of the goals of the program was exactly that, was to curb the... the use of all of these different emergency services by folks who tend to to use them, you know, sort of, you know, kind of clog the system, as it were. Not only the law enforcement, like calling law enforcement, but like you said, emergency rooms, hospital beds, that kind of thing. And um, 
And they have some data where definitely there was those folks were much less likely now after you know it's only been a few months right. to to reach mm-hmm. out at least through 911 calls um, especially because they have um, they modify their treatment plan or service plan depending on the needs of the person if they need more long-term kind of monitoring and casework they'll do that like for example they had the example of person who wanted to move to another state to live with their sister mm-hmm. and they helped kind of get them there. So those were mm-hmm. some of the things that that um, that that they do. Um, but your question is a good one and, yeah, and a cost needed. benefit analysis. And I think that will also help them uh, continue and maintain that program by showing that to the people who fund the program, which mm-hmm. is the city. So Brianna, can you want to talk about some other projects of the center as well? Yeah, I mean, we're, I'm just right, one member of the center. There's so many different ongoing projects, but just as a, you know, overview, there's a lot of people across, you know, different disciplines that are working on gun violence prevention mm-hmm. and also substance use um, prevention and harm reduction. Mm-hmm. So those are two major areas that we have a lot of ongoing work. Um, Edelin and I have a, a massive NIJ grant that we're working with the Pasco County Jail to specifically identify risk factors and needs of people that are coming in there mm-hmm. uh, to be able to offer services while they're in jail right. and then also connect them to services upon yeah, reentry. That's a great program. And mm-hmm. as you can see, one consistent theme throughout all of our work is what can we do to divert people out of the criminal justice system? Right. Um, this is one of the best methods we can do to reduce reduce recidivism mm-hmm. um, and recidivism being you know returning to jail sure. returning to law enforcement contact and while that is a worthy goal in and of itself because who wants to be sitting in jail mm-hmm. you know, none of us right. but the other thing is you know if there's a crime committed there's a victim of that crime right there's a cost to taxpayers. So even if you're not the victim of that crime, somebody else is, and mm-hmm. the police response, the jail bed, everything costs taxpayer dollars. Sure. And if we can reduce all of that, we have a healthier, happier society, safer society, better society. So mm-hmm. you can tell us what we're really focused on, doing that in the best method possible. Um, another project that's uh, run by our colleagues um, in different angles, different capacities, I'm Dr. Jason Wilson. Mm-hmm. He's a USF uh, faculty member. He's a medical <laughs> doctor. He runs um, the emergency department. Yes, that's um, right. And, uh, he has many hats. T- I, I don't know how he sleeps. He's <laughs> like a professor by day and he doctor was by night. emergency yeah. doctor by night. I don't know yeah. how he does it all. But um, one of the projects he's working on is actually um, for harm reduction. Mm-hmm. He's very interested in how we can reduce the um, transmission of different um, diseases and infections such mm-hmm. as HIV, mm-hmm. hepatitis C. And he specifically identified that needle transfer Mm -hmm. among intravenous drug users is a very high-risk activity. People are not going to stop doing that. Mm -hmm. That is something, Mm -hmm. it is an addiction, there's a cause for their behavior, and we can try our best Mm -hmm. to try to address that, but in the interim, they're still using, and the best thing we could do from a harm reduction standpoint Mm -hmm. is try to reduce the risk that they themselves are getting uh, infected, or if they get infected, that they don't pass it on to somebody sure. else. And we were listening to Jason talk, and not only have they been able to exchange over 117,000 needles mm-hmm. in the Tampa Bay community mm-hmm. alone, but of those 117,000 needles, there's something like 30%, 30%. Mm-hmm. they found infected. some infected. level of infection Goodness. on. And you think about the 
thousands of people mm-hmm. potentially that Jason and his team have prevented from getting this horrible diseases that are long-term mm-hmm. and insidious and can be passed on to people that they know and love without even knowing it. And you mm-hmm. think about like the definition of harm reduction and what we're trying to do mm-hmm. from you know criminal justice standpoint, but also from health and societal Absolutely. benefits. Strongly should, supported incredible. by public health. We, sh- we should programs. we should definitely plug the, their first Fridays. So they do. So they have these these kind of mobile. Uh, needle exchange mm-hmm. uh, units, mm-hmm. but it, it's like a whole event, right? So they have clothing there for people to, you know, try on, right. and, and they have food. They have mental health counselors now mm-hmm. who can talk to them. If anybody is interested in it, they don't push it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. They also have um, bup, uh, bupinephrine. for people who are interested right. in stopping bupinephrine. Right. Right, buprenorphine. They have that kind of treatment uh-huh. available to them. Wow. If not, they can just drop off the needles and they get new, you know, clean needles. The idea being, you know, people will stop using when they're ready and right. they are going to provide assistance. To, to, the goal is trying to mm-hmm. get people to be happy and healthy and reducing right. the risk as much as possible. But in the interim, mm-hmm. what can we do to further reduce of risk course, yeah. and reduce the harm that's being done um, to themselves and to others in the community? So mm-hmm. uh, Jason Wilson uh, on the leadership team, just such an incredible collaborator. And, and we're just so thankful that he's part of our group. Um, but we also have members of the community. Um, mm-hmm. Paul Lazinski is from the, he's retired from the Tampa Police mm-hmm. Department, mm-hmm. passionate about prevention and reduction right. of gun violence. Right. And he has done so much work. I remember when I first met Paul, uh, he's quoting to me, you know, did you read this article, you know, published <laughs> in this journal, you know, by this, yeah. Uh, right. It's amazing. Uh, sociologist. Yeah. I'm thinking, how, do you do this in your free time? Yeah. You're reading these uh-huh. like academic journal Journals. articles. But, um, you know, Paul, he's one of a kind, but one thing that he does is he read the research and mm-hmm. he was thinking of ways that he could use mm-hmm. what we as academics mm-hmm. were saying and apply it mm-hmm. to solve problems that he was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And through his work, he was able to develop a program to prevent and intervene on gun violence that saw massive benefits here in Tampa. Right. Um, between 2016 and 2019, gun violence reduced by upwards of 40%. Wow. There was over 200 non-fatal shootings, and he was able, through his you know unit mm-hmm. and the efforts, the prevention efforts, which were all evidence-based, by the way, mm-hmm. To reduce it to about eighty. Yeah, and um, Brianna, yeah. Brianna was an evaluator, and they just published on mm-hmm, that, correct? Mm-hmm. And discussed it at the meeting yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which mm-hmm. was phenomenal. And right. I think one of the more rewarding aspects of that is because we did such a rigorous evaluation of it, mm-hmm. and you know, I didn't give them any breaks just because I like Paul. <laughs> right, you know, I right, want to make sure right. if we're going to be of saying this works and implementing it in other communities or even my community. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing myself or anyone else any favors by saying of it works not. if it doesn't. Right. The best thing we can do is be as you know strict and scrutinize it as harsh, you know, mm-hmm. methodically and scientifically as possible. If it works, phenomenal. Right. If it doesn't, let's fix it right. and keep doing so some, that it does. So right. that it does. Mm-hmm. And the important mm-hmm. thing is that Brianna and Paul are both now teaching other departments and other units how to implement this program. Mm-hmm. And so they've done a few different trainings um, and even are being, uh, the government is asking them to do right. some of these trainings with right. other units. So good, so good. I'm a, so, so many great projects. I know we could talk for so many hours on this. Well, you know, we're very pleased 
to help you get the word out here in the Activist Lab about the center and the call program and all your programs and all your things you're doing. But how can groups like the Activist Lab, universities, public health agencies, communities, and more advocate for changes such as this? I think one of the biggest things is to get out of the ivory tower to mm -hmm. make sure, I mean, mm -hmm. this is a great example. Right. Being accessible, making it so people that are you know, out running or driving to work right. or right. You know, somebody, and we go to them. We can't expect right. people to be coming, oh, we're going to see what, mm -hmm. you know, academic mm -hmm. jargon they wrote up mm. and how we can... No know, one's going to see that, right? No one's going to see that. Right. And I think especially in today's day and age where um, information is expected to be in, you know, 220 characters or yeah. less and, right. you know, 15 second sound bites, yeah. it's incredibly important that we go out to people where they're at, mm -hmm. we share the information, mm -hmm. and we also make an effort to impact policy, yes. programs 100%. in the most scientifically informed way. And I've noticed, you know, especially considering, let's just say, different political landscapes mm -hmm. and the constant changing environments that we're in, mm -hmm. everybody wants to succeed. Everybody right. wants the world to be you know, safer, mm -hmm. better, healthier. Mm -hmm. And when you are able to convey to people, here's how this is a good idea for you. Yeah. This is why this is in your best interest as a taxpayer, as right. a police officer, right. as a politician, mm -hmm. as a public health representative. Mm -hmm. Here's why you would want to participate in this program or buy into it. When you say it and convince people that way, um, you know, it's a lot, it goes down a lot easier than just sure. here's our scientific findings. Yeah, yeah. Going to the people, community-based participatory research, all the things that, you know, public health always advocates. And I think people, as we're coming up to voting, right, soon, um, it's very important that the community votes, and we vote for people who we know are going to improve public health and, and all aspects of society, right? But you have to get to the people, like you said. Edwin, any, any comments? Yeah, and I, w I, would, I would venture that we, not only do we go out there and seek out people and talk to them about what we do in ways mm -hmm. that they understand, but also work with those in the field yes. who are actually the ones implementing policy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously we want to talk to the policymakers, but those who implement it are even more important sometimes. More important. Like we were talking about Paul or uh, other people. So People we, with boots on the ground exactly. actually making it happen. Deputies, yeah. law enforcement, community mm -hmm. activists, mm -hmm. working along with them and also creating something sustainable. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, if you're a student, you might be interested in a project, but you have to think about if you just want to do that project, go in and out, that's not going to that's not going to work and it's not going to make an impact. Right. So you want to have to you have to create a commitment mm -hmm. um, and a sustainable partnership so they know mm -hmm. you're there for them and can help them as needed, right. not just because you want to get a project done. Right. Well, that's a great segue to my next question. It's going to be for Erin. I'd like oh. to ask our student, Erin, who's just mm -hmm. a little bit younger mm -hmm. than at least me here, <laughs> what are the feelings of students on these topics that we've been discussing, justice, policy, and what has transpired in the center so far? You know, upcoming generations mm -hmm. are going to be dealing with these issues more and more. So Erin? Yeah, for, for me, um, this issue hits really close to home, both on the... Um, the police and the, the citizen side of it. And for me, I know that it starts at a very young age and 
Um, I'm very aware of the school to prison pipeline. And so um, you mentioned a lot of like working with jails and police officers. So um, as part of like the younger generation, mm-hmm. I, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Dr. Lillard mentioned like, do you do any work with, you know, youth? And because that all starts at such a young age. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my part of what Edel and I both do is look at what are these, the earliest you can kind of trace back some of these risk factors because right. we know if we're talking about prevention, mm-hmm. that's the point you need to start considering, you know, these different aspects, mm-hmm. you know. And so, for instance, Edel and I both look at trauma. Of course. And there's a substantial mm-hmm. overlap and unfortunately people that are victimized and abused and then go on and become, you know, justice involved or have other times mm-hmm. of types of internalizing or externalizing mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. And it's like, well, if we know that and our research consistently shows that developing policy around that right. or developing programs that we can implement mm-hmm. um, arresting a kid who's been abused and traumatized, does that sound like a good policy? <laughs> you know, and then the research mm-hmm. actually shows it too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so it's mm-hmm. not just it right. doesn't it's by the smell research. bad, yeah. it actually, yeah. it looks bad mm-hmm. too, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. it's both. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. saying, well, this is not good is mm-hmm. one thing, but saying, mm-hmm. well, here's what should be done, here's why it's more effective, here's the type yeah. of impact, long-term yeah. effects that are gonna be seen if you do this better policy. Mm-hmm. That's the thing you need to do to make sea change. Yeah. yeah. And one and of our um, and one of our leadership team members, Micah, um, Micah Johnson, she, he mm-hmm. works uh, particularly with kids uh, who are substance involved. Mm-hmm. And one of the important things he focuses on is creating um, you know, culturally informed interventions and approaches, especially yeah. for kids uh, with African American or Black backgrounds, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's an important group that's highly impacted by the school to prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so he's somebody that's working very much in that area. And again, sort of the work on policing is very important yeah. there because mm-hmm. the more that we use a law enforcement uh, approach only mm-hmm. to right. these problems can exacerbate some of these issues. So we need to yeah. kind of look across and have law enforcement who unfortunately or fortunately, depending mm-hmm. on how you look at it, they're in the schools and they're in the schools for good now mm-hmm. because now with all the gun violence stuff, right. they're not going to remove them. Yeah. But we know that some of their the ways that law enforcement approaches things in the schools can lead to this school to prison mm-hmm. pipeline. So working with, you know, uh, resource officers at the schools right. and kind of teaching them what works and what doesn't help and learning from them about what works mm-hmm. and what doesn't that can create an impact but we can't right. ignore that yeah right yeah I feel like trauma informed you know anything mm-hmm. is a really big mm-hmm. you know keyword mm-hmm. yes. in, nowadays <laughs> right in any sort of interventions like this so mm-hmm. yeah but thank you thank you for bringing up the youth piece because that's yeah, that's huge. Ki- critical yeah. critical it is any other comments or questions? Erin? No, I think you <laughs> did a great call to action, and I kind of, like, brought it back to, <laughs> to youth. But, yeah, anything else um, to add for, like, uh, youth wanting people who are, like, really passionate um, about yeah. this mm-hmm. subject um, that are affected by, you know, both sides of it because it can be, you know, uh, a very emotional um topic to discuss so like uh, your approaches for getting involved in it 
Yeah, we, we see both sides. We know a lot of students are emotional and passionate about it because they have had experiences mm -hmm. or they've witnessed experiences, mm -hmm. you know, people they know and love that have either used substances, been traumatized, abused, victimized, committed crimes, I mean, all ends of the spectrum. And so right. they want to get involved because they want to make change for that mm -hmm. reason. Um, alternatively, we know people that are just, you know, they're empathic, they want to do something for the world and for mm -hmm. you know, public good, and they see this as being one of those big right. picture yeah. things. Like, police yeah. are everywhere, all around mm -hmm. the globe, right? There's laws, there's, mm -hmm. there's law enforcement, mm -hmm. there's criminal justice, so this is one of those things that you can um, make an impact yeah. Pretty, you know, yeah. easily, right? Because it's just yeah. such a big chunk. Right. So yeah. um, we do see students that are very energized by this mm -hmm. work, although it is, as you said, very emotionally draining. Yeah, Stuff can especially, be. Yes. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, as a public health major, I like to uh, keep up with a lot of the issues. And, I, you know, being a United States citizen can also be kind of frustrating because there's, you know, especially with uh, harm reduction, you know, I recently was listening to a podcast about um, some interventions in, I think it was Vancouver with, like, fentanyl use. Mm -hmm. And, sure. you know, it's mm -hmm. like they're, they're kind of talking about, like, will this, you know, the things that are going on in Canada, like, will that ever mm -hmm. actually, like, work mm -hmm. in the United States because of, mm -hmm. like, the political. Our, yeah, mm -hmm. our political environment. Mm -hmm. It's very yeah. frustrating sometimes. And that's why you sometimes want to work with uh, those uh, in the agencies that are willing to hear it, and mm -hmm. then they can be the mouthpieces, right? Mm -hmm. So right. somebody um, in law enforcement who works with us and sort of is bought in, they learn from us, and then they can be the mouthpieces because listening to us as right. academics, they don't want to. They don't want to <laughs> listen, but um, but we've also had the experience where, like Brianna says, people do want to do things right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes you're right that the political landscape mm -hmm. has to be just right for them mm -hmm. to take that on. But in local jurisdictions that have less pressure on them um, to do things in a politically, you know, kind of uh, politically um, convenient way, they have more leverage. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot that could be done at the local level that you don't need That's sort of the state legislature. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right. and we, we see this in Hillsborough County and mm -hmm. Pasco County where they've implemented things, um, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because because they, they want to do evidence-based work. So that's yeah. one way that you can impact. Think sure. locally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's Great. right. That's right. Very good. Well, we could talk again yeah. for hours and hours and hours. Um, any lasting thoughts from, from everyone? Oh, I just want to make sure that people know that we have a website. <laughs> and the yes. website has good. so much information about the projects, about our leadership team. Karen, you were talking mm -hmm. about, like, we wish we could talk to all of them. Yes, but absolutely. there's at least brief bios in there. Mm -hmm. There's some mm -hmm. recent projects although it's not everything, and then uh, ways that you can get involved because we mm -hmm. really do welcome people from, or students yes. and folks from the community who mm -hmm. are really passionate about mm -hmm. this to join us, right. you know, um, right. and get involved. And there's always a way to plug you in with someone with interests that mm -hmm. align with yours. Great. Brianna, any lasting thoughts? Well, I think Adeline said everything perfectly, but I would say, <laughs> you know, the... 
main benefit of our center is doing something that others haven't, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. not just working across disciplinary silos, but also right. working with the community and being able to cross all of those boundaries just to do what works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, student, with strong evidence, mm -hmm. strong evidence, mm -hmm. and there's. Edelon and I are sticklers for that. We're mm -hmm. not doing things 100%. because we think they're a good idea. Yeah. You have to be convincing mm -hmm. on the benefit scientifically without any type right. of any information or of background. Course. So mm -hmm. um, that's one thing that we strongly believe in. But from the students to the community partners to people that want to you know, just support us, anyone who's interested, uh, we're, we're growing rapidly right. and we would uh, love to have you join. Absolutely. Erin, any lasting thoughts? Yeah, I can say some lasting thoughts. <laughs> um, this is just such like a huge multi-dimensional issue with so many intersections that I think can get um, you, someone like younger might get, uh, as for me especially, get kind of like overwhelmed and kind of mm -hmm. discouraged with a lot of these issues, yeah. especially in our current political climate and things like that. So um, just... It gives me like hope what you guys, what you both are, are saying that like mm -hmm. people care so much and like still want to keep working towards, you know, making the, never stop. the advocates <laughs> one never step stop. at a time. Yeah, <laughs> just continuing to be an advocate and just right. baby steps. Yeah. Right? And I would ask the <laughs> listeners to reach out to the center, yeah. uh, contact uh, Evelyn or Brianna, and please, because they're very, very willing to talk to everyone and see what we can do together. Well, thank you yeah, all thank so you. much. On behalf of the USF College of Public Health Activist Lab, our wonderful guests, Drs. Verona and Fox, and student co-host Aaron, we thank you for joining us. And hey, keep listening. We have more podcasts coming soon. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback. Let us know how we did by emailing us at cophactivistlab at usf.edu. So until next time, hey, this is Dr. Karen Miller. Remember, find your voice. Let's change it up for the better. Keep listening and join Advocation Change It Up. Tell your friends and family we're on all places you can find podcasts. So thank you again. And hey, as it gets safer to be out and about, come see us in the Activist Lab.